Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Monday morning, the beginning of another work week or whatever these weeks look like for you in this crazy six-month season that we have lived in. We do welcome you this Monday morning, August the 31st, in a in a day that we're just going to give thanks to the Lord. In all things, give thanks. And truly, this is one of those days we're going to give thanks. So from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, wherever you are, whenever you gather with our little morning devotion family that's ever growing because of you. Because you just keep sharing it, sharing it with one another, and thank you for that. And thank you for making this interval of time, this season of time, this envelope of the moment, a very special time and a strengthening time. For me, it's my privilege to be able to share with you, and then also for each of you, thank you. So Rex and Chris and Susie and Don, Don, we've missed you. It's good to see you back. Kim, Carol. It's good to see all of you here, and uh, we are in the midst of a year that I, I think we could call less than memorable, in fact, one we wish we could forget, that an amnesia would take over at this moment. It's been challenging, season of loss, a season of confusion, and one that will remain with us the rest of our lives, and our prayers today are with all of those that are suffering, suffering in the immediate area, Deep East Texas, Louisiana those around the globe, all sorts of issues, all manner of diseases, all manner in this pandemic season, the ramification, things that are happening. Each day, each day, I I look back at the comments and I see some of the leaders of the apostolic movement all around the world, some of the greatest leaders in the world joining us in this devotion. And every one of them face a calamity. In fact, There is no growth without suffering. Can I just stop and say that? There is no growth without suffering. And those in our near vicinity hurt by Hurricane Laura pray for you, have been praying for you. We believe that's the greatest thing we can do for you because God and God alone can heal the hurts and resolve this. But what we can do in the natural, we're trying. And thank you for supporting our efforts, the many of you that are doing that. Thank you, First Church. You purchased generators, chainsaws, tarps, supplies. Thank you, ROA, uh, pointing the trucks of needed to supplies in that area. And thank you, all the volunteers. You know who you are. They're just rolling up your sleeves and getting involved and being a part of it. You'd like to volunteer, reach out America, go to their volunteer site. We're setting up teams to do things. So like, share, follow. And thank you, Yolanda. Thank you, Dee, April, David, Kimmy, Sherry, Virginia. Thank you for being a part of this. Today at the homegoing service of Brother L.L. Stevens, we're going to close singing What a Day That Will Be. Oh, my. And how fitting. A man who loved the futuristic and loved the prophetic and loved to talk about what God had planned. What a day. What a day. Isaiah calls that day. Um, the day of the Lord. It's a special day. Um, That day, the day of the Lord, the day of our Lord Jesus Christ is what Paul called it. Simon Peter called it the day of God. 
And Isaiah again and again and again called our attention to that day. When this day does not look appetizing, then set your gaze on that day. In fact, that day appears 208 times in the Old Testament, over half of the which were used by the prophets to describe the coming day. The coming day. What a day that will be. Three elements usually are found in that day. Evil is going to be judged, and that will involve cataclysmic changes to the world in which we live. And could it be? Yes, it could be that we are beginning to see that day unfold. On that day, second of all, the effects of evil, they're going to be loose for a short season in the confusion and the hurt and the misery and the darkness. They're going to come. They're going to come. But also on that day, a new world is going to dawn, a world where there is no darkness, there is no pain, there is no hurt. What a day that will be when chaos becomes calm. Oh my, oh my. In this life, and you know it, I know it, there is no growth without suffering. We know, we know that there's going to be chaos in our lives. But still in the midst of it all, God is able to bring the peace that only he can bring. Let the peace of God, let the peace of God. Yes, we've got to permit it. It's one of the abiding themes of the Bible is how God can bring order from disorder, peace from confusion. And that theme is constant throughout Scripture. Whether it's our Lord at the beginning of it all, bringing the beautiful world from a churning darkness, or it's Joseph managing the resources to see his people through the famine, or it's Moses organizing the encampment of Israel in the shape of a cross around the tabernacle, or it's the kings and prophets leading God's people in difficult times. It reaches an apex when Messiah comes to earth that day. What a day. You see, Jesus came 2,000 years ago, the first coming, the first advent, and he restored what the enemy had taken, sight, hearing, health, peace of mind. At the cross, he took captivity, captive, praise God, praise God. You say, well, that, that sounds pretty dramatic. It's not nearly so dramatic as what's going to happen at the second coming. When Jesus will return, Isaiah said, in that day, the Lord with his sword and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, the crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Isaiah prophetically and metaphorically saw chaos turn to calm the Leviathan. What is the Leviathan? Oh, you can't read the Bible without wondering that. And it's one of those words in God's word that we just find mystifying. There's none perhaps so mystifying as Leviathan. It was in Herman Melville's Moby Dick, the term referred to great whales, the rare whales. In fact, in modern Hebrew, it simply means whale and is translated as such. Leviathan is found several times in scripture, the description. The descriptions are unusual. In Job 41, you probably find the greatest description of Leviathan. And God begins to describe a creature in verse 5. It cannot be tamed. Verse 9, it cannot be subdued. Verse 14, has numerous teeth. And then verses 15 to 17, we see shields tightly sealed together 
along its back. Verses 18 to 21, here's where it really gets weird. He breathes out fire. Verse 24, his chest is as hard as rock. Uh, he, he has no sword, no spear, no arrow, no club affects him. Verses 26 to 29, and he can churn the deep and leave a glistening wake. So Job summarized it all by saying of Leviathan, there's not a thing on this earth that is his equal. It's a creature without fear. And he looks down on all that are haughty king over all the proud. When I tell you there have been, there have been theories about what in the world Leviathan is, what is it? I, I've heard, I've heard some call it a crocodile. I pronounced that crocodilly yesterday. Yeah, it was intentional. Others, others call it a whale. Some say it's extinct like a dinosaur. I've heard some people say Leviathan is speaking of God and, and, uh, some of the devil. In scripture, though, Leviathan is to see what the word behemoth is to land. And both creatures dominate the fearful minds and hearts of God's people. It was in the Middle Ages that Leviathan became this this physical creature and less became less a physical creature and more a spiritual one. And Leviathan became the image of evil itself in the last days. That Leviathan would arise in the last days. In ancient Babylon, their belief about creation was there was a sea dragon that was in the depths that opposed all things good and all things right and created tumult. Uh, it was the Leviathan of old and mystery Babylon has a habit of appearing again and again. While Genesis does not directly call this chaos Leviathan, the oldest book of the Bible, G, Job seems to call it just like that. And so it's no accident at the end of the book of Job, God drew himself God drew our attention to that creature and just said, you know what? There is a chaos out there. There is a personality and spirit animating that chaos. And maybe we shouldn't look at Leviathan as just a physical creature, a kingdom phylum, class order, genus, species, not, not something that can be put on a chart somewhere, but one that's been around for a long time, churning up tumult and chaos in our lives. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, folks. Chaos has come against our world time and time again. And can I just tell you from the outset, let's leave Leviathan a moment. And let me just say chaos is not the will of God. There's a funny word that has made its way in the English uh, vocabulary. It comes from a Hebrew phrase. It's funny. It's tohu bohu. Yeah, tohu bohu. Would you name your child tohu bohu? No, it's not in common usage, but you see it every once in a while in literature like William Thackeray. He, he said, was there ever such a tohu bohu of people as their assembles? Or w Walter Lippmann bringing out the tohu bohu of human relations. You see it again and again. Uh, our problem, one writer said, is tohu bohu. Our industry is drowning in chaos, Grachow said. What, what is this remotely of concern to us today? Because that phrase, that Hebrew phrase that it comes from is actually tohu vabohu, tohu vabohu. And it describes the condition of the world before God's spirit starts moving upon it. Tohu, we read it as 
the world was without form. Bohu, the world was empty and dark. It's chaos and it's confusion. Where the enemy has control, there's chaos and confusion, formlessness and emptiness. Uh, I want you to know that chaos and confusion just don't come from God. Because 1 Corinthians 14.33 says God's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of chaos. No, he wants peace in all the churches of all the saints. Chaos is not the design of God. If you're walking through chaos right now. That's not how God wants you to live. Uh, in fact, Isaiah 45, 18, I'm going to throw this out for you smart people. It says, when the Lord created the heavens and God formed the earth, he established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. And he said in this verse, I mean, you go to the Hebrew, he said, he did not create it tohu vabohu. He created it not in vain. Uh, I don't know how the world God created became rendered chaotic in Genesis 1. I'll leave you to figure that out. But here's what I know, is that the God of order can take disorder and put things back in their right place. Uh, God is not the author of chaos. Uh, he brings unity and harmony and purpose to your life. If you're in the midst of the most chaotic situation in your world, I want you to know we serve the one our God can turn chaos into calm. That word calm, he can turn it into serenity and tranquility and to a stillness. He can speak peace to wind and waves and suddenly there will be a great calm. I'm praying for a suddenly spirit this morning. I am praying that whatever chaos you have been through, that there's going to be an absence of confusion and absence of wind. That calm will triumph over everything you're facing right now. When you and I are obedient to the word of God, Psalm 1, there's a blessing that comes to those who walk with God. Psalms 2, it asks, why do the heathen rage? It's because they're disobedient to the word of God. Twice in the New Testament, we see that calm will triumph over chaos. When, when Jesus walked on the water and got in the boat, the Bible says, and there was a great calm, that when the Lord enters into the scene, he brings a great calm. It's human nature. You listen to me carefully. It's human nature that says, I'm going to get myself out of this trouble. I'm going to do what I can do, and I, I'm going to solve it all. But God asked Job, can you hook the Leviathan? Can you fish for him? Can you put a ring through the nose of chaos? Can you make a deal with tumult and disorder? Can you serve up chaos as a meal? Would he make a nice pet for your children? Yeah, God's asking Job that. Will your weapons pierce the skin of chaos and on and on and on? God is asking Job, Job, do you really think you've got all this figured out? Do you really think you know what's going on? Can you sort all this out? And of course, the answer to that question is no, no, a thousand times no. I can't hook the Leviathan. Only God can deal with the chaos and we need him in our boat. If you and I are going to lasso chaos and bring order into our lives, Jesus has got to step on the boat. The second New Testament example was when he was in the boat and asleep and the storm came and fear began to triumph over faith. 
Oh, folks, circumstances should not dictate feelings. You hear me? It should not. We're getting up in the morning. You may be looking at the ruins and ashes of what might have been and what could have been. But I'm telling you, like a phoenix, uh, there is something rising from those ashes. Uh, finally, someone on that boat uh, said, you know what? Jesus is on board. He's, in, he's asleep in the back of the boat. Uh, and that is the issue. We put him in the back of the boat when he should be at the front of the boat. Uh, and when you put him at the front of the boat and you position him as Lord of your life and said, Lord, you know the way that I take, you know what I'm going through. When Jesus stirred and awakened, he looks around and asks, where is your faith? What a question. God didn't say he expected you to hook the Leviathan. He don't expect me and you to order the chaos. He just, he just asked us to believe to believe that he is able uh, to speak peace to wind and waves. Uh, Walter Hawkins and the Hawkins family once sang a song, Where is your faith in God? And in that first verse, the song defines faith. But in the second verse, uh, he begins to ask this question. Uh, he said, Christians, you say you love the Lord, and yet we complain each day seems hard. Uh, into each life some rain must fall. Faith, faith, where is your faith in God? Oh, praise God. I, 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 if you know me, you know I really don't like acrostics. I really hate them. I don't like them. But how about an acrostic for faith? Faith, F-A-I-T-H, forwarding all issues to heaven. I can't hook the Leviathan. That's your business, God. How about an acrostic for chaos, choosing hardship always, uh, over security. Oh, yeah. What about calm? Here's my favorite one from calm. Calm. Christ alone leads uh, me. You can choose hardship over security, or you can say Christ alone leads me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. If you can get Jesus up into the front of the chaos, it's going to be okay because he's not only able he is willing. He wants to help. He wants to minister to you. In Isaiah 21, one of those that day scriptures, it says, in that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, shall punish Leviathan. God, you are the one that can bring calm into the chaos. And that day races toward us swiftly. That day that the Lord will subdue the dragon and cast him into the bottomless pit, the one who troubles, troubles, uh, he's not going to trouble us anymore. It's no accident that when that occurs, the Bible says there will be a great change uh, in the universe, in the cosmos, chaos will be absent, uh, and there's going to be a peace and a new world and a new a new you living inside of you. I'm telling you right now, I'm just believing soon your change is going to 
come. I, I don't know why I feel like saying this. I'm, I'm really talking too long. I've got a busy day. I just feel like saying that. Do you remember when Jesus told that woman and said, you know, I've, I've come to the house of Israel. It's not meat for me to give bread to dogs. Basically what he was saying, it's not your turn yet. You are a Gentile. This is not going to the Gentiles yet, but to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. I've got to keep it in sequence. Uh, but the Bible says, then came she and worshiped him. And something about acknowledging him as Lord. Lord, you're the one that can, you can hook the Leviathan. You can calm the raging seas. That the God, got, the God of this world put things out of sequence. And he said, I'm going to make an exception. I'm going to, I'm going to borrow from the future and bring it into the present. Your prayer is answered. Here's what I'm saying. At that day. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. At that day, the cosmos will be vacated from from chaos. I'm asking you, Lord, would you borrow from the peace of that day and bring it into this day? You are the one. You are the one, Lord, that can do that. You are the one that can bring us the change in our life. Uh, Oh, praise God. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. But the Lord can do it. The Lord can hook the Leviathan. The Lord can vanquish chaos and bring calm and peace into your life. I sense that right now, folks. I sense a peace coming over us. Peace to those of you in deep East Texas and those of you in Louisiana. Peace to those of you that are suffering losses of loved ones. Peace to those of you that are that are affecting that are being affected by all the ramifications of this crazy virus. Peace, peace. And when the peace comes, I pray that you will emerge stronger, better, wiser, and sweeter from the day that you're living in. I pray that your chaos would be turned into calm. And so to tomorrow, until tomorrow, may God bless you. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.